I love the part in the song where the guy says American males. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Hello, people of Earth, and hello, people of the internet wrestling community. This is Curtis Spears, and I'm here today with another episode of the Smart Foundation podcast. I believe this is episode 12? Is it 12? Yep. It is. Oh, man. <laughs> Look at us. We're, we're grown-ups now. Lucky number 12. As you can hear, I'm not alone. Uh, we're here today with the Lieutenant Loco to my Corporal Cajun, Shane Campbell. Shane, how you doing today, buddy? Doing great. All right. I forgot to say, uh, Smart Foundation... We are sponsored this week by the JVC Kaboom Box. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm really starting to reach for these. Hey, money's money. Money's money. <laughs> Which we're not getting any of. We're not getting any of it. I don't think JVC makes Kaboom Boxes anymore. Which is sad. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Lugs doesn't make driving shoes anymore. Does Lugs make shoes anymore? Like at all? Pretty sure they do. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Birdman. Mm-hmm. Put some respect on his name. Yep. As it is, it is uh, Thursday the 10th of uh, of February, and we just had a damn good night last night. Shane, do you have anything you want to talk about from last night's wrestling festivities? So I do. So prior to uh, last night, so I, I'm still kind of on my, uh, my sabbatical, if you will. I still don't know if that's the right word, but whatever. Um, I've yet to watch a full show of wrestling i'm i'm still kind of just watching bits and pieces of a lot of different federations um and by a lot of different i mean like two other ones other than wwe <laughs> I'm, I'm still i'm still a little bit hurt i don't know where it came from i think i think this uh motivation has dipped since really SummerSlam when it comes to wwe so i've kind of just been up in the rafters um like sting just <laughs> looking down Trying to get a little New Japan, a uh, little AEW, not as much WWE, ironically enough. So, prior to last night, my uh, my favorite moment was actually, uh, what do you call it? I want to call it the Internet Championship. I know that's not what it's called. The uh, the social media championship oh. over there in Impact. Impact, yeah, with, uh, with Jordan Grace versus uh, Matt Cardona. Right. That was that was my favorite match. Yeah, we're um, loving Matt Cardona so far this year. Yeah, twenty twenty two, the year of the year of Zack Ryder. Yeah, always ready. Um, I've always been on that bandwagon, and, and I always will be. So that match was great. Jordan Grace is great. The the thing that was uh, that I, that I loved about it. So the whole match, like you know, Cardona's playing the whole face. I uh, don't really want to hurt a woman. It, it was. It was great. You know, they shook hands before the match. I was like, oh, man, this is not the Cardona I remember, you know. and From GCW. last week. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So the whole match, he's just like, oh, he's just very reluctant every time he's, you know, he doesn't move on her. And then there came a point where, like, he was on the outside and she was in there inside and the ref was distracted or something. 
and he launched a chair, Sabu style, right at her face. Oh, Jesus. And I audibly laughed, and it wasn't even something I should have laughed at. I was like, holy crap. And so he subsequently won the title and was laughing after the fact. I was like, there's there's a Cardona I remember. Yep. So the fact that he played up on the whole, oh, I don't want to hurt a woman, all the way up to the, until he moved <laughs> in the chair into her face. <laughs> Oh, I love it. It was fantastic. God bless Cardona. So that that yeah, was so fantastic. That's that's pretty great. What happened uh, what, what what happened last night that that also made your moments? <sighs> there was a, there was a Texas death match last night. Wasn't yes. a fan of that. Um, you didn't like that? Nope. I thought it was pretty good. I think you put you put Lance Archer in like one of these no DQ matches and he always kind of over delivers. I was I was really into it. His matches with John Moxley were really good. the The one they had at Wrestle Kingdom anyway was a lot of fun. Uh, I I rem- I think I remember the one where yeah he beat Moxley in one on a Dynamite, didn't he? Sure. Yes. Yeah, he did. He won. The, yeah, he won the IWGP US title, the Big Red. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I I think yeah Lance Archer, you put him in you put him in one of these situations and he. Over delivers for you. He's really good. Needless but you didn't. You didn't care for it, huh? No, I'm. Um, I'm because it seems like at this point that there's like a death match slash hardcore match like every other week now on AEW. Yeah, it's a variety show, man. You got to give people if people like the death match or variety, you know, hardcore match or whatever, you know, like they're gonna put them out there. Hmm. It's almost a little bit try hardy. I don't know. It's like, oh, we're gonna try to be. WCW, ECW, WWE, every week. Well, and I mean, you just named three very different companies. So if they're trying to do that, they're trying to be a a, 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 a big tent, you know? <laughs> nope. Not a fan. <laughs> okay. Not, not a fan. Um, That's fine. So, yeah. And we'll, we'll get to that some other time, I'm sure. My, my disdain, love, hate relationship with AEW. That's fine. So the two moments that, I mean, everyone who uh, watches wrestling, I'm sure, is aware of was uh, Keith Lee and... Keith Lee! And that, so, I knew going into it when he came out and he was facing Isaiah Cassidy, I was like, this is going to be fun because Isaiah Cassidy's like 112 pounds. So, <laughs> that was that was fun. But my favorite part of that was when, when his music hit and they cut to Matt Hardy's face... Like Matt knew, yeah. like his boy was dead, <laughs> and, that, and, and that will always find the radar. Unfortunately, was how Matt sold Keith Lee's debut was almost just as good as Keith Lee selling his own debut. Like that was amazing. The the the, the horror and the disappointment on his face, knowing he was about to watch a murder, was was fantastic. <laughs> He sent that young man into the stratosphere. Yeah, has he landed yet? No, he's he's, he's up. like that. He's like that football that uh, uh, shit what was I thinking? Was it in, was it in um, Superman? No, it's a it's a yeah, it's a football that he throws into like or is it a baseball? He throws into outer space in the fucking nineteen seventy five Superman. Yeah, he's up there yeah. with that and that car, the Tesla's car that's in outer space right Tesla's now. Car. 
<laughs> him in Tesla's car. Yeah. And and Cosmo the space dog that the Russians put up there, you know, in the sixties. Oh man. Yeah. He's he's in orbit. He's in low Earth orbit right now. Mm-hmm. He he oh my goodness. That was so much fun. And there's so many twinks that Keith Lee's just gonna be able to just yeet. Yeah. It's gonna be so great. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you beat a mofo with another mofo. You a bad mofo. <laughs> That's the moment. That's the moment right there. Yeah. What what was what was your other moment from the from the show? And I'm excited. I'm bouncing up and down in my chair. What was your other moment? So this might come to a little bit of surprise to you. I was a little bit let down about this other moment. But what? but my boy Switchblade. J Hoito. Yes. Oh, that's for you, Ozaki. Happy retirement. Yes, sir. It was exciting, anticlimactic, but still exciting. Like, I figured that this, like, with everyone coming over there, we're going to have, like, a Bullet Club reunion tour, whatever. But are we? Are we? Kind of. Or, well, I mean, we're going to have the reunion tour. We're going to have the reunion tour, and then we're going to have, somewhere down the line, we're going to have, like, Kenny and the Bucks versus, like, Adam Cole and Jay White and somebody else or something. I don't don't know. It's going to be something wild, and it's going to be great. Yeah. Guess. If this doesn't... So, when, when Adam Cole came in, I was like, if this doesn't result in Adam Cole turning on everybody, this is going to be a disappointment. And so now I'm, think, I, I'm like that with, with Jay White, too. It's like, if he doesn't end up turning on everybody, it's going to be a disappointment. Jay White doesn't do anything without a plan. You know it, I know it, and the the American people know it. Right. The 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 thing is, like, Jay White is the most calculating... He's the, he's always got a plan. He's always doing everything, and he's delivering on his promises. Okay, Jay White finally showing up in AEW means he's got a plan for something, and I'm so excited to find out what it is. Mostly because that means that I don't have to watch Impact to get to to get any Jay White content because I'm getting so bored of seeing Jay White once every four weeks, you know, pop up in Impact and do almost nothing. And I so, think maybe if it wasn't. For the fact that he was already in Impact, maybe it would have been a, I, it would have been more of a shock value, you know, like because the Impact Forbidden Door had already been open, obviously with AEW, so that one wasn't as forbidden to begin with. So once I once he showed once Bullet Club was on Impact, I knew it was inevitable. So, but it was still cool. Yeah, I it, I'm having a hell of a good time. I can't wait. Uh, the 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 thing is. You know, there. Oh, and there were lots of people that were talking about like the forbidden door versus a free agent signing or whatever. Like, oh, that's not a forbidden door. Keith Lee's not forbidden door technically because uh, he's a free agent, so he didn't come from any other company. And shut, shut up, shut up. Like this, this whole forbidden door thing is starting to get lame because, like, do do you know the story behind the the term forbidden door? Hmm. Okay, so. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi made a joke about uh, a forbidden door in his press conference uh, in a lead up uh, to a match with Chris Jericho when Jericho was still AW champion. The forbidden door is actually a name of a noodle restaurant near the Tokyo Dome. And he was joking about that. And people took like took the translation and they're like, oh, the forbidden door, the forbidden door. And like so then Jericho used it on AEW or whatever, and it became this whole thing. And now like it's a big debate about the forbidden door versus a free agent. Shut up. Keith Lee's on TV. Be happy. 
You know, like, why as wrestling fans, we got to pick that shit apart, dude. Keith Lee's on your TV. Shut up. Keith Lee's throwing a dude into the stratosphere. Shut up. Enjoy it. It's all good, man. So I'm not even, I'm not even worried about this whole thing. Like we're, we're having fun, you know? Okay. Here's the thing. This is the best thing that's ever come out of the pandemic because now wrestling companies are kind of forced to work together. Mm-hmm. And now that they've now that they've worked together once and they see that it's working, they're going to continue to do it. And I'm I'm just so happy. I'm so happy because now we get to have Jay White, you know, and probably Kenta again soon. And and uh, Chris Bay or something like that show up on a W and hopefully, hopefully fucking soon we'll be able to see some of those people in Japan and uh, it, with New Japan and, and really reignite the fire over there because it's whoo yeah and it's it's not fun you're right and and that's the thing like i i'm looking forward to keith lee on dark elevation here in two weeks um (laughs) and so i'll be able to tune into that and uh yeah that's what i was i was saying um you know keith lee shows up a couple of weeks after tony khan you know gets outed as a racist or something like that on Twitter. And I was like, oh man, he's got three weeks to make Keith Lee world champion. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Remember Jay Lethal? I remember Jay Lethal. He's uh, in AEW. Yeah. One of my one of my favorite <laughs> things about Jay Lethal is uh how how outspoken he is about his time in, in AEW. So if you if you want to hear more about that guys, Google Jay Lethal speaking out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Yep. All right. So, <laughs> did you have any other moments that you want to talk about? I'm on a side note, the um, the women's title match on NXT was really good. Um, Mandy Rose, she's coming on to coming into her own. That's really great. And Mandy it was Mandy Rose and Kaylee Ray, right? Mm-hmm. I love Kaylee Ray. Yep. She's she's nuts, and I love her. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a good time. I'll yeah. probably end up trying to watch that and then getting disappointed when it's not on the WWE network over here. Yeah. And the, uh, one last thing, the, the, uh, surprise appearance of, uh, Ziggler was cool. I'm looking forward yeah. to the Ziggler. Yeah, look at him. Yeah. Getting a, getting a, a, a little run in NXT. That's good for him. What's he doing down there? He, he interrupted the, uh, the, uh, Santos Escobar, Braun Breaker title coronation, contract signing and then he was also interrupted by Ciampa so something's about to get if this just results in Ziggler and Ciampa that's enough for me Ziggler and Ciampa or maybe like a fatal four-way with Ziggler Ciampa Santos and and yeah Breaker yeah Ooh, ooh, I like it yep. all right cool mm-hmm. I'm in I'm in so my favorite match of the last two weeks Came from RevPro High Stakes. About two years ago, I said that Michael Oku, the OJMO, would be the next big thing. Uh, he was my next big thing vote for the uh, for the year. Lo and behold, the young man now has a five-star Stinky Uncle Dave match under his belt. So you got Michael Oku, the OJMO, versus Will Ospreay for the RevPro British Heavyweight belt. And, oh my god, it was great. Old school storytelling. From top to bottom, um, you know, you've got the this big undefeatable champion in Osprey with his humongous new belt, by the way. Have you seen that thing? <sighs> yeah. I, 
I love it. I love it. I love how fucking insanely big it is. It makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. Osprey, Osprey holding that gigantic new title is going to look like when Adam Cole finally wins the AEW world title. <laughs> yeah, which is going to be like my son holding my belt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like your kid holding a hubcap. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, it's uh, it, that new title is humongous. Uh, this has been building for eight months now, six months now, something like that. And OJMO, Michael Oku, is he's such a great baby face. You always want to root for him. Even when he was a, when I would see him sometimes and he was as a bad guy in places like Pro Wrestling Soul or Battle Pro Wrestling, it was always a lot of fun to still want to cheer for him. Because he's got such charisma and he's so over the top with this energy, this enthusiasm. And you can tell how much he really loves wrestling. And you just want to be there for him and want to cheer him on. You want to see him do well. And to see him as this, I mean, he's, the underdog doesn't even describe it. Mm-hmm. He, he people would say like he's not in, in Osprey's league. Well, Osprey would say he's not in Osprey's league. And the match that they that they actually had, yeah, Oku lost. And Oku lost big. Like Osprey dismantled him. But the whole time, the storytelling was just so much like an old like southern match where like Osprey was toying with him and you're just you're you're seething because you want Oku to overcome. You want to see him finally beat this guy and he just couldn't. And it and now like anytime they have a match, people are going to be tuning in from all around the world. It's going to be amazing. Like right. the story that they told in that match was Chef's Kiss, five stars, of course, you know, Stinky Uncle Dave or whatever. It was amazing. Michael Oku is going to be humongous. I want Michael Oku in best of the super juniors. I want Michael Oku to, you know, in, in Japan as, as quick as possible, make him a member of chaos or something. I, I want to see this guy achieve every dream he's ever had. Cause Oh my God, he's good. And what I'm, if, I'm glad that, that dream means, uh, WrestleMania. If that dream means WrestleMania, that's fine. He's actually already turned down WWE one time. That's they offered silly. him a, they offered him a UK contract, and he said no. That's but that's one of the few good parts about WWE. I know, right now it is the the thing is he had David Starr in his ear at that time, mm. and that was when David Starr was doing the we're we're independent and we do only uh, only independent things. We're going to make this on our own, and uh, everyone was like, "Oh, David Starr is so great! David Starr is so great!" And then we found out that he's a terrible sack of shit human being, and I hate him. Whoops! So yeah, oops, fuck. That sucks. Oh well, Michael Oku's still awesome. Yeah. So that's a whole thing. So yeah, with uh, Osprey, would would you say because you you've seen a ton more of his matches than I have, but would you say over the years he's gotten better on the the ring psychology side of things? Absolutely. Just spot, 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 spot. Yeah, and the, well, the thing is, since he since he changed his body so much to like put on muscle and become a heavyweight, right? He doesn't actually do as much high flying anymore. He still has a lot of like, he still has a lot of like moves where he'll do high flying stuff. Like he still does the, um, he still does like tiger wall, uh, tiger fade kicks and stuff like that, and like comes off the top rope every now and again. 
but for the most part, he's focused a lot on his on his striking, which has always been an underrated part of his game. Mm-hmm. He's doing a, a lot of bigger power moves and stuff like that. He is still he's still fast like he used to be, but he's no longer doing a ton of the like 500 million flips per, you know, got to get my shit in. Can't, yeah. you know, can't take a second off this match. Now he's he's definitely changed his style up over the last I'd say maybe two and a half years and is telling better stories now. Yep. So, yeah, he's he's definitely evolved uh since probably the start of lockdown. It was maybe mm, I'd say right before lockdown was when he when he lost the IWGP junior heavyweight belt. During lockdown, he he trained up and became a heavyweight, and it was probably about there where he really started to change his style. So anyone who hasn't seen a lot of Osprey matches since maybe early 2020, mm-hmm. he's had some he's had some really great ones, especially on the British indie scene. Uh, his stuff that he's doing in Rev Pro right now is is off the wall good. He's his best stuff is probably still in New Japan. Uh, his matches with Shingo, I'm always ranting about his matches with Shingo. He's had a couple of matches with Okada. He had, um, he's had some really great matches uh, for the last the last two years, and I think it's because he has matured as a wrestler. Probably not as a person. He seems like he's still, you know, he's he's still a kid that way. But as far as a storyteller, he's really come along. Okay. Don't judge. Don't judge 2022 Will Osprey by 2018 Will Osprey because they're not the same person anymore. So that's all, that's that's what I'll say there. Yeah. So as it is talking about judging the past, I think it's maybe it's time we get to judge the past. What do you think? That's what we do. That's what we do. All right. So let's go to a retro review. Retro review. American Males versus Harlem Heat. WCW Tag Team Championship. WCW Saturday Night. October 28th, 1995. I played a joke on myself this week. Shane picked our retro review for this show, and I watched it right away. We joked about the American Males theme song a bit, but then we talked about the history of Marcus Alexander Buff Bagwell and his multitude of tag team partners. Buff had like five really great tag team runs, and his partners ranged anywhere from good to amazing. I'll name them right now. Del Wilkes, the Patriot, Scotty Riggs, Shane Douglas, Scott Flash Norton, Too Cold Scorpio. Look at that list. One of the biggest names in ECW history a former IWGP heavyweight champion and one of the most influential high flyers of all time. Now your list may vary, but those top three are always going to be the top three in some order. So Shane and I got to talking about the order and I ran off about my love and adoration for two cold Scorpio for like 30 minutes. And I went to sleep that night thinking about some of my favorite two cold Scorpio matches from ECW and all Japan and Noah and WCW. I went down a rabbit hole on two cold Scorpio this week. And then I sat down to write this review. I started this video during, and during the introductions, I went and I grabbed a hot cup of coffee with the nice caramel drizzle. I get from my favorite supermarket. And I sat down with my phone in my hands, ready to take notes. And what song did I hear playing? American males, American males, American males. So I'm sitting there going, wait a, wait a fucking minute. This isn't a too cold Scorpio match at all. I had been punked. And like Radiohead said in the song, just you do it to yourself. And that's what really hurts. Now, that's not to say that this match is bad. I have a lot of great memories of Buff Bagwell growing up as a kid. He was one of my favorite guys, even if he was a fucking goofball. 
I think to this day I would still mark out of my fucking shorts if I met Buff Bagwell. And sensational Sherry. She's an absolute joy in this match. She's one of the best to ever do it as a manager of this or any other generation. And holy smokes, Harlem Heat. They may not have the 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 title reigns and the breadth of like a Dudley's or Steiner's or the Road Warriors, but Harlem Heat were one of the most talented, athletic, charismatic, and decorated tag teams of all time. Booker T and Stevie Ray need to be in the discussion for greatest tag team ever, every time. But, I don't know if y'all remember this, Booker T and Buff Bagwell have some notoriously bad chemistry. <laughs> More on that later. And that's on full display in this match, unfortunately. We'll start it from the beginning. Dusty Rhodes is on commentary, so you're going to have a good time. Harlem Heat come out looking like the cousins you call when someone's giving you trouble at the bus stop. <laughs> yes, it's all right. Come on. <laughs> so good. Oh, my. So good. They look like they could beat the entire arena to death. These are mega stars, and Sherry looks absolutely wicked as she talks them up. Yep. The American Males theme then starts, which is something like 40 seconds of guitar tuning and synthy fart noises, followed by lyrics about being a gigolo, and then the term American Males repeated until your ears turn black, shrivel up, and fall off. It's the best theme ever. It's my favorite wrestling theme of all time. <laughs> anyway, yes. Cut off jean shorts, tank tops, and those weird round John Lennon sunglasses. Here come the tag team champions. I can't lie. I love this. This is my childhood. This is WCW Saturday night. That stage makes me so happy. The stupid cardboard Star Wars entry door that they that they have has me smiling from ear to ear. Saturday, 6.05 p.m., the fucking best. One thing that strikes me as as the match gets underway is how blatant the crowd sweetening is, though. Like the noise is going crazy while the cl- while the crowd visually just politely claps. Yeah, and and there are some fans who are doing their best. Multiple times in the match, you can see kids jumping up and down, screaming their eyes out. But this is this is not the sound of a few kids seeing the wrestling for the first time in live and in person. This this is someone sat on the air dryer button, and it's it, the whole time you just hear. It's terrible. <laughs> The action starts pretty fast and furious. Stevie Ray establishes dominance. The smaller champs use their double team moves and quick offense to even the playing field. Standard stuff. But this match gets going when Buff and Booker are in there together. Booker is so light on his feet for someone so big, so fast, so agile, running the rope. And Buff goes for a, I have no fucking idea, leg lariat maybe? A single leg dropkick? Something. He's... Here's the famous Booker T and Buff non-chemistry in action. What's the opposite of chemistry? Social studies? Math? They have math they have together. Math. <laughs> they have math. <laughs> After a few botches, Buff tags out. Scotty gets in, hits some low-impact offense, tags Buff back in. Buff almost immediately tags back out. Buff realizes this is not his best day, and he wants none of this. Scotty Riggs really is the workhorse of this match. He's got some cool spots. A sunset flip out of the corner stood out. And he's making Harlem Heat look like absolute murderers. On a side note, something I notice every time Riggs hits the ground during this match is how good does that WCW mat sound? When they hit, it's like they're falling on a ton of like steel. Mm-hmm. I love it. Buff gets a good hot tag. He's great in these spots. Lariats and drop kicks. No need for scientific wrestling. Just a good looking clean cut baby face doing baby face stuff. This was where Buff would shine. Finally, the baby faces are cleaning house. The ref tries to clear the ring of the illegal men. 
And that's when the insurance policy of Sister Sherry cashes in, a rake to the eyes of Buff, one of the gnarliest Harlem sidekicks I've ever seen from Booker T, and we have new tag team champions. After the match, Sherry celebrates with the new champs and the belts looking like she's won the lottery. And then the promo she cuts after the match, fantastic. She's so good. Sensational Sherry, rest in peace. You were great. There was so much talent in this one little seven-minute match, man. 1995 was awesome. Shane, you picked this match. Why did you pick this match specifically? So, a couple different reasons. One, um, kind of uh, kind of to tie into uh, Black History Month, uh, representation matters. And so, as a kid, you know, I've, I've said in the past that, you know, it was, it was big for me to see people that look like me, uh, like Harlem Heat. I'm pretty sure I was around their same size when I was 10, so <laughs> I can relate. And so the match itself, there were better Harlem Heat matches. There were maybe worse, maybe. But for, maybe. for me, I, I picked it because purely from a uh, an emotional standpoint. Like I said, um, just kind of reminiscing as as a little black boy watching WCW Saturday night. It was my earliest memory of WCW. You know, the the ring, the like you said, the door, like everything that that was my childhood. And and Harlem Heat is, you know, they they were two big reasons why I uh, started following WCW. And so it was for me. It was a it was a nostalgia overload. You know the way they would come out and talk to the you know trash talk the camera. Like, God. Mm-hmm. And Sherry, like, looking back, Sherry's probably one of my favorite managers. Like, she is so good. When they win the when they win the titles, and they roll out of the ring, and she's jumping up and down, screaming. Like I said, like she just won the lottery. Yeah. Like that's how you make it seem important. Yeah. You know, she grabs she grabs the belts and she's holding them up, and she she presents the guys their belts, and she's just freaking out. She's so happy. And afterwards, the promo that she cuts. Yeah. A plus, yep. A plus. Like the, she was they great. always came out looking like a million bucks. Like I was, I was sad when, like, I was sad when uh, she left and um, and then uh, Jackie replaced her. Like, and had nothing against Jackie, but I, I associate Sherry with Harlem Heat. Like when they got inducted, yeah. and then Stevie Ray said that she should have been inducted with them. I, I agree with that. Uh, yeah. Now it was, it Absolutely. was, it was, it was kind of weird when they first started you know with the whole almost slave gimmick thing with colonel parker and, and all of that but it it ironed its way out a couple of years later yeah but f- for me it was it was tough to find like a decent harlem heat match in the, in that particular era that didn't result in an nwo like run-in yeah like, like looking back it would like it was awesome back then, but it's it's kind of annoying watching old WCW stuff now because everything was interrupted by NWO, everything. Yeah, it's the the interruptions are they're they're so angering because you'll you'll be in the middle of this great match with like Chris Jericho versus you know uh, Ultimo Dragon or some nonsense, and then and then like out come the NWO for no reason because Hulk Hogan's announced that he wants to you know, fart or something like that. And it's right. just it's so angering. Because yeah. they had a really good match. I believe it was on Nitro. Um, the, uh, you remember the uh, the triple threat tag match with them, Steiner Brothers, and Sting and Luger? On, I on don't, paper, I don't remember it's that. amazing. 
but it ended with a random run-in of with NWO. So oh, that's probably why I just never even thought about it yeah. again. Yeah, and so they there's a ton, just about every Steiner Harlem Heat match was interrupted by the NWO. Yeah, so that that sucked, but. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Harlem Heat should be regarded as one of the top tag teams of all time. I mean, you look at their, their title reigns. They had 10 during that time in WCW where yeah. there were teams like the Steiners, the Outsiders, the Nasty Boys, Legion of Doom. And so to rail off 10 and title the American runs, Males. Yes. Yeah. Them also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Were they Chickalos? Was that their thing? Yeah, that's. Or were they just were they just cool dudes? They were they were just cool dudes that drove around in uh, t top Pontiacs and listen yeah. listen to a winger. I don't know White Snake. Yeah, yeah. and the still of the night. Yeah, totally. They were sweet, mm-hmm. totally awesome dudes. And, you know, maybe they would take you out for a nice seafood dinner. And then maybe you would have to pay them for their time. Yeah. Give them some sort of monetary compensation. Perhaps there would be uh, sexual intercourse involved. But they not. you're not paying them for, for sexual intercourse. You're paying them for their time. And if there is sexual intercourse as well. So be it. That So it's be it. American males. So. American males. <laughs> they were totally gigolos, and I never realized it. Oh, I love it. I love it so and, much. And, uh, you know, on a serious note, Buff Bagwell, outside of the ring, is is a thing. But if we're willing to kind of separate that, which sadly we have to with 90% of wrestlers. Oh, no. Is he is he a bad man? Well, no. I'm just I'm just saying, like, I think the, the Marcus Alexander Bagwell slash Buff Bagwell character... I'm glad that we kind of gave him his flowers a little bit because as as far as a tag team specialist, yeah, he gets overlooked a lot of the time. He does. He does. I mean, look at the the list of people that he's tagged with. It's easy to see why they got more of the the shine than he did. I really don't even remember the fact that he tagged with Shane Douglas. Yeah. Like at all. That one was a shock to me when I was researching it. Mhm. But I definitely remember Vicious and Delicious. Yeah. I definitely remember him team, teaming with Two Cold Scorpio, because Jesus, I love Two Cold Scorpio. Did that come across a little bit when I did I write that out that I love Two Cold Scorpio? A little, a little bit, a little bit. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard he supposedly like, and it might have been the Scott Norton influence, but I heard he was huge in Japan during like the NWO Japan run. Oh yeah, uh, NWO Japan was like a big thing, and it probably it probably was the fact that he was there with Tenzon and Muda and yeah. Scott Norton and stuff like that. So yeah, like you can go back and and I think you can find his matches on New Japan World. You can definitely find NWO Japan stuff on New Japan World. I don't know if if they have specifically Buff Bagwell matches, but there's probably a a bunch of tag matches you can look for that have him included. Yeah. It's easy to see, like, why Buff Bagwell was good. You know, he was a good-looking dude. Uh, he had a great physique. He, like, he had charisma coming out of his ears. It was dork charisma, but look what Kurt Angle did with dork charisma. You know? So, mm-hmm. I don't I don't see why Buff didn't get his 
fair shot in WWE? More on that later. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Yeah, so it's this this match was a ton of fun for me to watch. Yeah. I, I just sat there watching it today and going, what angle? What angle am I taking on this? Like, well, I said that after I said, where the fuck is Too Cold Scorpio? And then I went, oh, there it is. Yep, there's my angle. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, the the 10-year-old the in me picked this this match, so. Yep. Easy. Easy to see why. Yep. Can, can I ask your reaction to watching Buff Bagwell get just absolutely clobbered with that Harlem sidekick? So as much as I liked the American Males... <laughs> <laughs> and I also really liked Stars and Stripes back then too. Yeah, Harlem Heat was number one. So, mm-hmm. and 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 how and Booker T was and Stevie Ray, but Booker T was a machine back then. Like, I still don't see anyone pulling off like a Harlem side or Har- Harlem Hangover anymore. Yep. Like, yep, that's a rad move. And you think that people would be doing it all the time here? Yeah. Like in today's, in today's, in the parlance of our times, as they say in the Big Lebowski, like improperly, by the way, you, you would, and that's the funny part. You would think that people would be doing stuff like that all the time. The the Harlem hangover was a rad move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Off the top rope, flipping leg drop. Yeah. Killer. Yeah. That's a guillotine. That would end a man. Yeah. And Booker, I mean, he's just all like arms and legs. Like. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's so like light on his feet that the second he's moving and all of a sudden he's across the ring and he's just like arms waving in the air, like wacky, wavy, inflatable arm tube, man. And you're just you you have to watch him. There's you can't take your eyes off Booker T. He's yeah. so good. He's like a real life virtual fighter character. <laughs> he's Eddie Gordo. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, man. He's great. Yep. Yeah. I, oh, man. I remember uh, when he first showed up in WCW, I was like, why Why isn't they calling him G.I. Bro anymore? Why aren't they calling him G.I. Bro? That was my favorite because I was super into G.I. Joe's as a kid. So I was like, oh, fuck yeah, G.I. Bro. Yep. Hell yeah. Yeah, he straight up just clobbered Buff Bagwell with that kick. And that was, uh, I feel bad because like he and Buff had no chemistry together. They were They are so terrible together. I don't know half the stuff that Buff was trying to pull off in this match because he would just run up against Booker and just like flop. <laughs> I was like, what is, what is that? Was he supposed to, oh God. And then he'd send him into the ropes and he'd like smack off of him again and just hit the floor. <laughs> he was doing I, the best. He was doing the best he could. <laughs> what is he doing? His best. His best. God bless him. I did see recently that Buff Bagwell wants to come back for, uh, he wants to try his, his hand at deathmatch. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> I'm in. Let's Death. do it. I'm in. Death daddy. <laughs> Death daddy. I mean, the only thing that would be worth it oh, is if oh. he, like, put, like, actual barbed wire around his barbed wire tattoo. <laughs> then I'm down. Oh, man. His arm implants look terrible. I feel bad for him. Yeah. He's got those bicep implants because he like had the atrophy after all the neck surgeries and stuff. Yep. They look awful. Poor guy. 
I mean, he would be a great manager. I mean, I don't know. If, I think if, he'd be a fantastic manager. Maybe that should could, be his route. Come out with the top hat know. still. Oh yeah, with his with his own face, but it's it's somehow still his face from 1998. Yeah, <laughs> that he got airbrushed <laughs> from Shine Frontier Days. <laughs> Google yes, it. Google it, kids. Um, no, I love that. I love that idea so much. Oh man, who who would you like to see Buff Bagwell as as a manager for? Who do you think he would fit well uh, with? Assuming that I'm not wrestling. Um, <laughs> See. You'd have your, you'd handle your own talking. You yeah, don't need a mouthpiece. He'd be my Bill Alfonso, though. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Instead of like a whistle, though, I would give him just like a clarinet, <laughs> a slide whistle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's the stuff. <laughs> it's the stuff. Oh no. Yeah, I don't know. American males. Um, maybe hmm. not necessarily as like a manager. But I would love to see just some sort of interaction with him and uh, Dolph. I think that would be fun. Ooh, him and Dolph Ziggler would be fun. Yeah. That would be great. That's that. Yes. Winner. I like it. Mm-hmm. Clock it. Yep. Make it happen. All right. That seems like a good place for us to move on to our next segment for the show. Where we're going to talk about, we're going to dig into the, well, the lighter side of, of professional wrestling. And when I say that, I, I mean, I hope that we can take some of these things and have some comedy gold come out of them. We try to be positive on this show, or at least I do, Shane. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and uh, uh, we want to look at some, some facepalm moments. It's not hot. And uh, it's not hot. It's not hot at all. And I'm hoping that we can capture some magic because we got some, I mean, we've got basically our entire lives to choose from. So let's narrow it down to say three. Shane, can you come up with a couple of uh, a couple of facepalm moments from the history of professional wrestling? So the first one that came to mind, kind of going to go a little bit of a throwback. The Ministry of Darkness. Uh-huh. This was my favorite Undertaker, by the way, the Ministry of Darkness taker. I think this was my least favorite, actually. Oh, yeah, all right. yeah. Great angle, you know. You had, you had Stephanie getting sacrificed. You Question had, mark, yeah. You had Stone. Where Gold. to, Stephanie? Yeah, it was it was deep, but on the bright side, it brought out you know, you know it gave us um, naked Midian. Yeah, that's where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> oh no, s- that I was going to say the brood, but. <laughs> naked median also a thing was that your was that your moment well so did i just did i just step on your moment you didn't step on the moment but naked median if you're listening naked median, if you're listening and i know you are please get a new fanny pack and uh put on some trousers pair of overalls we've all seen you wear overalls we know you got them yeah i just always just pictured that fanny pack just to be filled with like the jelly from the top of the spam <laughs> I don't know. I figured like Werther's candies, like yeah. maybe or like uh like Lifesavers mints. Or just like a bunch of Jolly Ranchers that he just like ate Have and put on. back yeah. He put them back in the package. I can see that being more in like Sandman's fanny pack. Probably. Oh, Sandman's fanny pack's just filled with beer. <laughs> it's just he just pours a beer in there. 
I'm saving that for later. <laughs> Pulls an entire Singapore cane out of it. It's just like a it's a it's a prop bag like carrot tops <laughs> box. It's it's Doctor Who's TARDIS. He like pulls it out. Whoop. It's a fucking clown car. Yeah. I love it. Woo. I love it. Naked Midian is a good one. Um That's- Yeah. So yeah. But the actual not hot moment. Oh, it wasn't. It, it wasn't, wasn't that. naked. Okay. Although that that's a, that's a good part of it. Basically, right. the 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 higher power reveal being Vince McMahon. Oh God! I was like, even as a kid, I was like, wait, what? You just brought down the room. <laughs> <laughs> How does this make sense? Yeah, yeah. All that lead up, and it was uh, McMahon. Yeah. So that sucked. Yeah. That was that was a collective facepalm moment. Yep. Did do you have a preference for who you would have preferred to see there? So you know how we were earlier talking about like the spam jelly. <laughs> it could have been the spam jelly, other than Vince McMahon. Anybody, anybody. You know what would have been fun? Linda, <laughs> Linda McMahon would have been great. No, yeah. um, the the rumors. So there's two rumors. One that it was supposed to be Jake the Snake Roberts. Which would have been great. Uh, he was probably pretty messed up at that point, though, so it's probably yeah. best that it wasn't him. Two, and I this might have come from the man himself, but Christopher Daniels, the fallen angel Christopher Daniels, was rumored to have been up for that part. And that might have just come from Christopher Daniels, but that would have been awesome. Well, I th- well see, I had heard something similar that he was supposed to have been in the brood, but I didn't know that he was supposed to have been the higher power. But I'd take be. either of those, really. Yeah. I think you would have been great in the brood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no. Um, really, yeah, really anything. Yeah, anything at all. I think a, a wet fart on a snare drum probably would have been better than Vince McMahon. And and man, can you ma- speaking of the forbidden door? Can you imagine <laughs> if it was like Eric Bischoff? Oh, that would have been great. Yeah. Oh, that would have been great. Yes. So let's talk about my first facepalm moment. 2002. The NWO is back in WWE. Kevin Nash watches, watches Hulk Hogan turn face again and leave the NWO. He watches Scott Hall drink himself out of the company. And then he gets injured. His arm gets injured. He comes back from that arm injury. He reforms the NWO again, brings back Shawn Michaels. Holy shit. Shawn Michaels hasn't been around for like four years. This is great. First match back. Kevin Nash comes in like a house of fire in a 10 man tag. He kicks. I think, I don't remember who he was that he was up against. He get does a big boot. He steps over his prey to head to the corner crumples like a fucking house of cards his first match back after his injury and he tears his fucking quad in this huge multi-man main event and 18 year old me is sitting there going god damn it (laughs) kevin nash's quad is my first facepalm moment of the day it's not just the fact it's not just the fact that he tore his quad it's the fact that he (laughs) He had just come back 
to, to wrestling in general after sitting out for like eight months waiting for his WCW contract to run out. The entire invasion storyline suffered because the big money players weren't there. Sting wasn't there. Ric Flair wasn't there. Goldberg wasn't there. Hulk Hogan wasn't there. Hall and Nash weren't there. They finally come in. The NWO. That blows up because Hogan and The Rock had an impromptu great moment. Okay. Bring in Shawn Michaels. Oh my God. Nash and Michaels together again. Nash is injured. Shit. Come on, man. Like, it was the most stop-start nonsense. And uh, me being, you know, Big Daddy Cool fan, I was so pissed. Yeah. Because he could have had some great matches with some of the people that were around in 2002. And it just, it it all fell apart. Like, sands through the hourglass. So are the quads of Kevin Nash. Yeah. So remember in, like, Power Rangers when Tommy got into the Megazord and, like, destroyed it, and then the Megazord just, like, crumpled? Yes. That was, that was Nash. <laughs> he fell like a Megazord. <laughs> and, like, okay, he tore his quad walking? He, he was walking briskly, I'll give him that. But what the fuck, man? I guess when you're, like, 6'11 or whatever... Stepping the wrong way at all can, like, fuck you up? Well, that, and it could have been, like, the the years of um, the tassels on the pants. It could Ooh. have just taken a toll. Mm. And um... <laughs> I'm just, I'm glad they didn't have to treat him like a racehorse and just execute him right there on the track. <laughs> like, ah, oh, he broke his leg. Oh, that's terrible. Just, like, no, roll I... him underneath the ring. <laughs> Bury him where he fell. (laughs) Where he falls, there shall he be buried. All right. What was your second? uh, What was your second facepalm moment in the history? Your second terrible facepalm moment in the history of pro wrestling. Oh man, so many, so many, and I'm trying not to have all of them involve like the McMahon's. It's hard. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. But here we go. My second one. Oh, speaking of McMahon's and butt. Yeah. <laughs> An otherwise great match. Kurt Angle, Shane McMahon. Hmm. The King of the Ring match? The King the King of the Ring match. Awesome. Okay, cool. Good times. Yeah. And I guess, you know, find out about it later on that they... they inadvertently reinforced the glass or whatever, then that's why I couldn't. But that was so cringe watching it. Like, now granted, it was still awesome to see, like, Kurt Angle belly to, you know, belly McMahon 57 times through what should have been, like, a glass pane window, and then he ended up just tossing him through it. <laughs> but it, it, made, it made for an awkward, like, pause during the match. The thump. Uh, yeah. The first time Shane's back hits the glass, he does not go through, and his head thumps off of the concrete floor. Yeah. Oh, sickening. Oh, making me want to fucking wretch. God, yeah. that's gross. His was like the thunk. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Vomit. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's that's face palmy, but not like in the like, oh, this is so dumb. Like it's like face palmy, like, oh my god, they're gonna do it again. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's Perk Angle. 
Perk Angle was the man. <laughs> oh no, no, you didn't. I love, I love, I love Perk Angle, dude. Uh, Kurt, Kurt Angle, if you're listening, and I hope you are, because I hope you're a big fan. I fucking love you. <laughs> you just call him I Kirk lo- Angle. I don't know if he's going to be listening anymore. I he, mean, knows. he knows. He knows. You true. know it. I know it. And the American people know it. What do we say, Kurt? It's true. It's damn true. <laughs> his time in his time in TNA was phenomenal. Anyway, um, yeah, no, that was that was a moment, man. Like I remember just wanting to vomit listening to that sound thump. And now every time they show it in a in a package, yeah, it's like it's you know when you get food poisoning from like something that you love to eat. And then you never want to eat that food again. Mm-hmm. Remember that time? Remember that time right after Al Davis died and we were going to a house show and we had Smashburger? Yes. Okay. That Smashburger gave me fucking food poisoning for like three days. I never ate Smashburger again. Really? <laughs> so, ah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no. That's what, that's what this moment is to me. This moment is that reflex of bad food and the memory never wanting to eat it again. Because when I hear Shane's head, when I heard Shane's head smack off the concrete floor, I immediately stood up and left the room for a minute watching that for the first time. And now I never want to see it again. I never want to see it again. Oh my God. There goes, there goes my next retro review match. (laughs) Don't you dare. All right. No, really, we should. It's great. <laughs> so, speaking of the McMahons and butt and things I never want to see again, uh-huh. my next facepalm moment is Dr. Heine. Do you remember Dr. Heine? <laughs> oh. So, for anyone who didn't see it, Jim Ross, good old JR, went out for... Surgery, colon surgery of some kind. I don't remember what it was. And as some sort of rib or practical joke, during the most popular segment on Raw, Vince McMahon did a segment, uh, a pre-tape of himself as Dr. Heine, removing things from a fake colon that was meant to be JR's surgery. He pulled out... Uh, barbecue sauce or something. I think he pulled out like a power drill. He pulled out a mannequin head with a black hat on it. And like this went on for far too long. It was during the most popular part of the show when the most eyes were on the product. And it was just McMahon getting his rocks off thinking about pulling things out of Jim Ross's butt. Yeah. (laughs) Shane, do you have any, do you have any, uh, Anything to say about Dr. Heine? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only appropriate response. Yeah. Oh, man. That was... Oh, bad. That was bad. It's just bad, bro. That was bad. truly not hot. Mm -mm. That was not hot at all. And your third and final facepalm moment of the night. Can you can you give me a really good third facepalm moment? So I was I was because a lot of people may not know. So when we do like these lists and stuff, 
a lot of it we don't go over with each other. So like, nope. if we end up having like the same stuff or whatever, then so be it. And so when you're telling me about Dr. Heine and I already have my third one in mind, I was like, oh, this is going to be a great segue. <laughs> and okay. St- and still kind of in the whole McMahon. I mean, th- that's the thing. Anything WWE is going to be a McMahon face bomb anyway. Yeah. Think about it. So kind of uh, in the same vein of Dr. Heine, <sighs> Mae Young, Mark oh. Henry. <laughs> I almost picked this. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, go ahead and finish your sentence, please. So I, I love the sexual chocolate character. Mm-hmm. This part, probably not as much. <laughs> I think I think they really had something when they had them, you know, when they had them with uh, who was it that made like the chocolate sundae with him? It was like Terry Runnels and I think it was Terry. Yeah, it doesn't matter who else it was. It was Terry Runnels. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, you know, having him be the sexual chocolate, the ladies' man, and then then he has a relationship with Mae Young. I don't know. God bless her soul. I don't know why they had Mae Young in so many spots back then. I mean, she's hooking up with Mark Henry. She's getting put through tables by, like, why are we, she's in bikini match. Like, what are we doing? That's a a legend. What? That's not the attitude era I want to see. But when she gave birth to the hand, there were so many questions. To a hand. A fully formed human hand like you would get at at the Spirit Halloween store. Yeah. Covered in the jelly from the top of the spam co- uh, case. Exactly. And no, no body, not a head, not a shoulder, no arm, just a hand. Yeah. And, you know, the elephant in the room is the hand has looked a little lighter. Than, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we needed to do a paternity test on that hand. <laughs> I mean, I guess they could have salvaged it and said that it was like Val Venus's hand, baby, instead. But the fact that it came out just like finger spread, already doing the five time, five time. Like, and I'm pretty sure it had a ring on there, if I recall. Wasn't there like a, I don't know if it was like a bowling championship ring or like a. The class ring. I don't think that was Mark Henry's ring. I'll tell you that. Oh, no. And then when you have Briscoe in the background just throwing up. I don't know if he was throwing up out of guilt that it was his class ring on that hand. That's my theory. Um, But I oh just. Oh, my God. I just. Oh, my God. There's just so many questions. I'm, I'm laughing, crying, and trying not to puke all at the same time. Yeah. That's WWE in a nutshell. <laughs> Trust me. I watch it every week. Welcome to NXT 2.0. <laughs> hey. That's only two of those three. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. So, literally facepalm um, with that one. Yeah. It's a hand. Gross. Yep. I don't know if I can beat that. Yeah, I can't. I can't beat that. Um, I'm not even <laughs> going to try. I'm not even going to try. 
my <laughs> my third and final face Paul moment though is Booker T versus Buff Bagwell for the WCW heavyweight title on WCW Raw is War question mark WWE Monday Nitro question mark it's an episode of Raw that they stopped they brought out brand new WCW announcers Arn Anderson and Scott Thompson I think was his name I don't remember yeah and they changed the like the the layout and everything like that so that they could have brand new visuals and they brought out two two people who had just wrestled like a couple of weeks before in Buff Bagwell and Booker T the, the this was doomed to fail it was doomed to fail from the beginning you stop a product that is far superior at the time WWE at the time was far superior to what WCW was doing you took two people who were you know part of that failing product and you put them on the new product and people go no 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 I don't want to see this. I want to see Stone Cold Steve Austin. I want to see Kurt Angle. I want to see The Rock. Why are you giving me Booker T and, and Buff Bagwell? If they had done this maybe in Atlanta or one of the Carolinas, it might have worked. Instead, they did it in like Tacoma, Washington, that WCW hotbed Tacoma, Washington. Yeah. This was doomed to fail from the beginning. This is this is. Vince McMahon again playing a joke on someone I guess probably like us us as people like one way to do this is to have Booker T come out and get over on a WWE mid-card heel you know or have Buff come out and um you know do his do his heel thing against a WWE mid-card face you know you you can't take the two people who were wrestling just weeks before on a failing product, put them on a new product, and expect it to be revitalized. That's not how yeah. this works. So the invasion was in terrible hands from the beginning, and and it was doomed to fail, and it was garbage top to bottom. The match wasn't actually that bad, but the, the Washington fans shit on it from a great height. And, um, yeah, Channing boring right in the middle of the thing. Eventually, Stone Cold and Kurt Angle come out and beat the hell out of both of them and toss them out of the building. And then they wonder why no one took the invasion seriously. So, yeah, the whole invasion could just be a face bomb. One giant face bomb. Yep. Although the invasion pay-per-view, that stage is still one of my favorite stages on a side note. I don't remember it. Where it had, like, the big invasion word and then like they had like the separate entrances oh yes okay i remember yeah very good yeah that was cool stuff and 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 probably the best match out of that whole era and was on that pay-per-view was uh jeff hardy and rvd oh yeah good stuff yeah really good stuff yeah but it was it was set up to be a failure from the beginning i don't know why they and like why buff bagwell Right. Like Booker T, I understand you want to keep Booker T. He's the world champion. He's obviously one of the stars of that dying promotion. Why? Why not someone like at that at that point, Scott Steiner or, you know, one of those other contracts that wasn't as big as like a Hall, Nash, Hogan. I don't know if Steiner was over there yet at that time. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't over to WWE yet. So. 
because because if I recall, like a lot of them had the choice to come over, or just sit at home until the contract ran out. So it was kind of slim pickings. Yeah, and and that's that's not a shot at Buff, but like, I mean, I, I don't even know who else they would have got. I mean, uh, Nunzio, <laughs> like who? Uh, ECW. Yeah, who else was over in the? I mean, Raven. Who hired Raven? I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty slim, pretty slim. But if you want to showcase WCW as, as a possible third brand, it's not the way to do it, bro. It's not the way to do it to launch it against a hot with a hostile crowd with a match that isn't going to pay off, and then you interrupt it anyway and make them both look like assholes. But on the, on the flip side. Not necessarily like defending McMahon, but it's like okay, why why should they have to put WCW in a positive light when the people running WCW didn't even put WCW in a positive light? Because they well, that's that's true. That's true, but they just acquired it, so they must have seen some, you know, some reason for it. Not necessarily, because you know, just like, uh, no, like like. You know, retail stores or whatever. If so, if like something goes out of business, then they'll buy that competition so that that business doesn't come back. Type deal. I guess. For example, like when Sports Authority went out of business, Dicks bought all of the rights, the naming rights to Sports Authority, right? So that Sports Authority can't come back. So it could be kind of something like that. Could be where they just got it. But I mean, yeah. at that point, why even bother to like? bring in anyone else anyway. I mean, like, I understand, okay, you bring over Booker T because he's a star, but why bother to, like, bring over a Buff Bagwell and showcase them in a WCW championship match? Why not just bring over Booker T? That's true. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think the whole thing was just a fucking f- exercise in futility. And, um, yeah, it was, mm-hmm. it was about eight months of my life just wasted. So, cool. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Anyway, we always like to end the podcast on a feeling of, oh, so there's that. Yep. <laughs> but I think that's going to be our show for the night. So is there, is there anything else you want to you wanna say for everyone, Shane? No, I think we pretty much covered it all. This is uh... yeah, we got. We'll see. We got uh, Buff Bagwell, uh, May Young Hand. Spam uh, Jelly made two Spam appearances. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Spam Jelly made two appearances. Uh, Jay Lethal speaking out movement. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we got. I think we got everything. Yeah, I think we nailed it. Got some butt stuff. I think we yeah. nailed it. Um, yeah. So at this point, we're gonna take a couple seconds. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please go ahead and rate, review, subscribe, five stars, like, share, social media shout outs uh, for the podcast. We would really appreciate it. it. Does help with the algorithm. If you could just go ahead and. Feed the algorithm gods. Here's what I'd like you to do. Here's what I'd like you to do. Find the find the rate and review button on whatever you're listening to this. If you're listening to it on YouTube, if you're listening to it on iTunes, Spotify, Google, whatever it is, find that like button. And I want you to take that like button and I want you to make the like button a sandwich. And when you make that like button a sandwich, you got to just tell them it's peanut butter and jelly. And really what you've made from is peanut butter and sardines hilarious everyone laughs big laughs and then we get the algorithm that's what i want that's what i want delicious delicious do that for us if you could uh we'd like you to please share the show on your social media and um check out some of our sister shows we've got our friends shows 
the Faces and Feel podcast. You can check out my other show, Throwing Dice, which is a uh, role-playing games like D&D, uh, tabletop wargaming like Warhammer, things like that. Uh, that comes out monthly. I recently was on the Across the Bifrost Mighty Thor podcast, doing a, doing a primer for Gore the God Butcher, which is the villain in the next Thor movie that comes out this summer. So if you're interested in hearing about the character that Christian Bale is going to be playing in that movie, you can go ahead and check out that uh, episode as a primer. And um, you can always check us out on social media. Shane's at King underscore Uncanny. I'm on Instagram at Destructo 83 The show is on Instagram. You can follow us at The Smark Foundation. You can email us at smarkfoundation1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. Our group is the Smark Foundation Debate Dungeon. Answer the questions and we'll let you in. If you do not answer the questions, I will not let you in. God damn it. Please answer the questions. And um, Shane, is there anything else you want to gift us with this evening? Any other words of wisdom? Yeah. Like, so I, I hope short term uh, goal for us, I, I want us to get big enough to where we could like start reading mean tweets about us. Oh, that would be great. Wouldn't it? Yeah. These guys don't know anything. Did you know yeah. that they think that Buff Bagwell wasn't good? No, we don't. We love Buff Bagwell. <laughs> Yeah. Shut up. We like to so, laugh, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's all. So maybe, maybe, maybe we can get to that point well, where uh, we got the haters. It would be nice to have haters. Yeah, having haters means that we uh, that we arrived. Yeah, yep. I'm excited. If you would, if you'd like to apply to be one of our haters, you can get on, get in touch with us on social media. <laughs> yeah, we will make you a sandwich. We'll say it's peanut butter and jelly. It's actually peanut butter and sardines. Mm-hmm. That's how we do. We'd like to. We'd like you to take the rate and review button out for a nice seafood dinner and never call it again. We'd like you to find American the American mails. American. We'd like you to find the rate and review button, and when the rate and review button's about to watch his favorite TV show, you start vacuuming right in front of the TV. Uh, the rate and review button. Okay, I don't care what you do. Just rate and review. Okay, thank you. Call to action got a little intense there. After, let's take the whole thing from the beginning. Fuck it. Let's yeah. start again. Let's start over. Welcome start to the Smart Foundation Podcast, episode 12. <laughs> I've laughed a lot this episode, and now my face hurts, and I feel like I might throw up. All right. May Young's hand did it for me. I want to thank you, Shane. I want to thank yeah, you for that. I mean, no, no king shame in here. No. You know? No. No. Whoever's hand that no. was, bless you. Bless yeah. you and May. Yep. Yeah. And I hope you had a long and lovely life together. You and you and little Han Jr. Well, I guess we know who's going to be uh, debuting in AEW next. <laughs> the next Forbidden Door is Mae Young's hand. Yeah. <laughs> the hand's going to debut and attack Cody oh. and then join the Dark Order. Yep. And then and then leave the Dark Order mm-hmm. and then face Hangman Page in the Iron Man match. An Iron Hand match. Iron Hand match. And, oh, yeah. nailed it. <laughs> he's yeah. and the and it's gonna be like he's gonna say shit on TV and people are gonna go oh oh it's a shit they said shit and then they're gonna have, hands gonna have to wrestle fifteen other people just to get to MJF <laughs> to win its ring and then like the ring that MJF has will be its title belt. Do you think yeah. the hand like maybe the hand actually like didn't like wrestling? You know, like the hands, like a real estate developer, and just wants to be taken seriously. 
Like, I mean, he could be. It's like, no, that was my father. My father was a wrestler. I hate him. I never saw him. I don't know him. I'm a real estate developer in Connecticut. Yeah. On the slight chance that, Hand, if you're listening, I'd like to invite you onto the show. <laughs> if you have ears. <laughs> and if you have ears and a mouth. Would you like to come and talk about your experiences today? Oh, my God. Oh, this was good. I needed this. Thank you. All right. So, yeah. Take two. Here we go. Smart Foundation. <laughs> oh, God. I hope we were actually recording all that because I don't want to do that again. <laughs> nope. I'm one way to find out. All right. So, yeah. Find us on social media. And if you like what you're listening to, do whatever you need to do. You know what you need to do. Those things that you need to do, please do them. And we would appreciate it. And until um, we hear from you again. Say goodnight, Shane. Goodnight, Shane. Jay Huerta. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Okay, I completely forgot to talk about you. You mentioned Black History Month. I forgot to talk about Black History Month because Black History Month is very important. And I know that you and I were talking about Black History Month because, like, um, you said that sometimes it's a sore subject for for uh, black people. You know, you only get you get the shortest month of the year and things like that. We're going to be celebrating Black History Month twice because there's actually uh, English Black History Month is September, so we can celebrate Black okay. History Month twice. Uh, this year, fuck it. And if they don't like it, they can deal with it and fuck them. And also, you know what? Trans rights. I fucking said it. How about it? We're going to, we're just going to go off. I'm tired of people saying, I'm tired of people saying, keep the politics out of, fuck you. It's my show. All right. Black lives matter. Trans rights are human rights. So get them, get them. Fuck it. All right. That's what I wanted to say. (laughs) (laughs) Jay White's awesome. Okay. <sighs> All right. There we go. All right. So, again, say goodnight, Shane. Goodnight, Shane. Trans rights. He goes, American males, American males. That was the best part of the song. I love it.